It's Wednesday, November 16th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, big news off the top from uh, last night. Uh, Guardians manager Terry Francona, for the third time in his career, for the third time here in Cleveland, has been named American League Manager of the Year. Uh, 17 first-place votes for Tito. Uh, Well-deserved with the job that he did, uh, taking the youngest team in the majors, uh, to a division title and a, a playoff uh, spot. Uh, just an all-around outstanding job by Tito, uh, winning his third Major League uh, Baseball American League Manager of the Year award. Yeah, definitely, Joe. Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, may have been uh, Frank Kona's best job as as a manager in Cleveland. You know, a lot of people feel that way. And just think, Joe, 10 years in Cleveland. Has, has a decade in Cleveland baseball ever gone this fast, gone by this fast? I mean, it's just uh, he's had nine straight, nine winning seasons out of 10, taking a team to six postseason appearances, four division titles, you know, one pennant, uh, you know, and it's, and he's become the winningest manager in, in Cleveland history. So that's quite a resume in uh, in a decade. We talked to Chris Antonetti uh, a few moments ago, and and he stressed and he he sort of reiterated, uh, you know, we know that that Tito doesn't like to talk about himself and doesn't like uh, awards like this just because uh, you know he doesn't want to talk about himself. He'd rather talk about the organization. But uh, Antonetti stressed how critical and how important Tito is to not just the organization, not just the team on the field. But to the city and to to everyone around who follows this team, uh, just how much Tito means to all of them, and uh, you know it, it's it's hard to overstate just what what this one guy and and, and his leadership and his his uh, sort of direction have meant to this club over the last decade. Yeah, uh, you know it, it seems like uh, you know there was a trend a while ago where. You know, younger managers were coming into the game, managers that really hadn't had any experience, even in the minor leagues managing, you know, and uh, the the idea was that uh, they were almost, uh, you know, kind of puppets on a string being controlled by analytically uh, driven front offices. Um, but Tito is, is uh, you know, goes against the grain there. But, you know, he is one of those rare cases where, you know, he has melded his past, you know, which is a traditional past, you know, managed in the minors, came worked worked up through as a coach, minor league manager, big league manager, um, and you know he is and he has melded himself into, you know, this front office. They they work together so well that he has accepted the analytics, but he is still very much. You know, I would think you know he always says uh, like uh, guys like Sandy Alomar have more control or more say in, in their jobs as a first base coach and any first base coach in, in the big leagues. I think probably the same goes for Francona as a manager. I think, you know, I don't know if he's an equal partner with uh, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff and the rest of the front office, but I think he certainly has his say. Don't you feel that way, Joe? Yeah, I think the relationship between those three, between Francona and Antonetti and Chernoff, uh, they're they're able to to work so closely together, and they, uh, you know, even when uh, at the beginning of the season, when you know it sort of wasn't clear what they what they needed to do, what they were going to do in terms of bringing on the the younger players and and sort of committing to that young roster, uh, Antonetti and Chernoff sat Tito down 
allowed him to have the ability to wrap his head around what their vision for this was. And then Tito could go forward and explain it to the other coaches and, and say, okay, now we need to get everybody to buy in. And that's exactly what happened. He got the young guys to buy in and, and, you know, this is the way we're going to win. We're not going to hit home runs. We're going to, you know, make contact. We're going to run the bases. We're going to play defense. And it, it worked. And it's, this is, this is a very rare situation and it led to this award, I think, because you have to have an extreme amount of faith, not just in uh, your front office, but your players and your coaches that everybody is, is pulling the same direction. And, uh, you know, Tito sort of, sort of, sort of worked all of that. He managed it. Uh, He was the conductor. He didn't, he didn't play the instruments necessarily on the field, but he absolutely conducted it like a, like an, like a symphony. And he, it was a virtuoso perform, uh, performance for him uh, from, from day one. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it, they, they care about him. Tito and, and Cherney and, and, uh, and Chris Antonetti, it's not just a really good working relationship. I mean, when Tito wasn't healthy, you, you could see these guys were hurting just as, just as much as he was along with him. Uh, so, so to see him finally healthy and, and working through this season – uh, and and ha- having everything just sort of click all all in the in the right direction, uh, it was it was a sight to behold this year. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And uh, you know, as as Antonetti said uh, when we talked to him, you know, I think it's it's you know every season it's kind of follows a similar path with, with since Francona has been a manager. You know, the the first half of, of you know the team kind of you know finds a style they want to play. They they fit the pieces together in the bullpen. You know, they get the back of the rotation set. Uh, who's going to platoon where? And then in the second half, you know, you see, you know, uh, you know that unit come together and start playing better. And that was the case, you know, this year as well when, you know, they went down the stretch and just hammered, uh, you know, their closest rivals in, in Chicago and, and uh, the Twins. And just really, you know, they didn't, this division wasn't given to them. You know, they were they took it. And I think that had a lot to do with, you know, the, the first half of the season, you know, establishing the way they were going to play, you know, uh, you know, Francona, you know, giving that, you know, the, you know, giving the, his coaches the ability to to, you know, to teach that style and the players to accept it. And then you saw what happened in the second half. And, you know, they were one of the best teams in baseball, you know, when the season ended. Yeah, Tito repeatedly uh, during the season came down and said, you know, when a when a rookie or a younger player did make a mistake running the bases or, you know, not tagging up when he was supposed to or, you know, any any one of a number of things. Uh, we we saw examples of, of Tito letting, you know, as a guy came off the field, maybe DeMarlo Hale, uh, the bench coach, would would follow him uh, into the dugout and, and, and talk to him for a second. And Tito said, Hey, if DeMarlo's talking to him already, I, I don't need to come in and, and say anything on top of that. I know DeMarlo can handle it and need, and is going to say what needs to be said. And and I don't want these young guys feeling like we're piling on them because that's not productive either. And I think he did a fantastic job of that uh, throughout the season, letting his coaches uh, coach and 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 be the, the voices in their ears uh, so that Tito didn't have to come over the top and, and sort of, uh, you know, yell at guys when uh, – when things weren't going the right way. Now, if he, if there was something that needed to be said, he absolutely said it, but just having that feel with this young club and, and he's coached veteran teams in the past, he's managed, you know, you know, bigger names and, and bigger situations in the past. 
this is this was a, a, a sort of a, a textbook in uh, you know how to manage a, a young club at the major league level. Uh, I think uh, for years to come, this can be held up as an example of, hey, do what Tito did, and and you'll be all right with some of these guys. Yeah, and 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 it also goes to show, you know. You know, you can you can be the greatest coach in the world, uh, but if you don't have talent, young or old, you know, it, the message is going to fall flat. And uh, I think it, it's a reflection on the farm system and the player development people that they were able to, you know, you know, develop these players and give them the green light and convince the front office that it was time for these guys to play, time for Quan to play, and time for. Uh, you know Jimenez to get get to play every day and either at second base or, or you know at shortstop and just open the doors for these guys because you know we saw that and uh, you know we've seen a lot of rookies come and go but we've never seen 17 guys make their big league debut and and so many of them play important parts on the ball club and you know I think it's just a testament to uh, the drafting system the farm system and the player development people. Yeah, that was uh, that was sort of the, the the feeling around this time last year was well, you added eleven guys to the to the forty man roster. You know, how are you going to get playing time for all these young guys? How are you going to get eyeballs on these guys and evaluate them at the major league level? It, you know, there's there's only a certain number of at bats to go around, and they really did manage that throughout the uh, the season, and they they opened things up for the the young guys to come through and 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 play. Speaking of opening up. Uh, opportunities and and uh, giving guys chances to play uh the 40-man roster additions were announced uh, a couple of trades happened uh most notably the organization's former top overall uh prospect in nolan jones uh was dealt to the colorado rockies uh juan brito a middle infielder who, who hadn't played above a ball uh is the the return in that nolan jones trade uh what did you think about uh uh, Chris Antonetti's response when asked about uh, dealing his former number one overall prospect. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, first of all, he said, you know, when they signed Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, that kind of took third base, Nolan Jones's, you know, primary position away from Jones. Then they had to start moving him around, trying to find other positions for him. And I think he just got pushed out of the, the, the organization, Joe. I think, you know, Oscar Gonzalez came up and took over right field. Uh, you know, Will Benson is still on the 40, man, but we don't know for how long. But, you know, left field and center field seem to be, you know, in the hands of Quan and and uh, Miles uh, Straw. And uh, I just think, you know, you've got Valera coming. And I just think, um, you know, they right, ran out of spots for Nolan Jones. And uh, hopefully, you know, he goes to Colorado and uh, gets a swing down and, you know, cuts down his strikeouts. You know, he's, you know, he's a, you know, he's a great athlete, but let's hope he, you know, but he's got to learn how to hit, you know, he's got to make contact. He started out well here. Then he kind of struggled and Gonzalez came up and just took the job away. That's, that's how I saw it anyway. Yeah. Gonzalez really sort of uh, blocked him at, at the, at the major league level in terms of right field, because that was a spot where he was going to play, uh, you know, he made his debut in, in July and uh, while um, while Gonzalez was on the, the injured list and, you know, once once Oscar came back, he just kept hitting and, and stayed in the in, in right field. Uh, Jones had nowhere to go. Uh, I asked Antonetti, you know, other than learning how to hit right handed, I guess, uh, you know, what could 
what could Jones do to get on the field? Because because that would have been you know one thing that could have could have helped him maybe if he could have been a right-handed hitting first baseman. Uh, maybe there's a spot there, but uh, that it just wasn't meant to be. They they moved on and they get Juan Brito in return. Now, uh, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this before, but uh, an athletic middle infielder is coming back to the organization. Uh, this time, a, a high A prospect, uh, number thirty overall for the the Rockies, and and the part that intrigued uh, Antonetti the most about Brito uh, was that he had a little bit of emerging power, I guess. Uh, Eleven home runs last year at High A. Uh, he's a, a you know a guy who has more walks than strikeouts and and can hit uh, in the the upper two hundreds, uh, close to three hundred on a consistent basis. Uh, you know. <laughs> Where's uh you know where does Juan Brito fit into the the the, the plans here? Uh, obviously, Andres Jimenez is your second baseman of the future. Yeah, he's going to have to take a number and get in line, Joe. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's like 15 guys in front of him, I think. You know, unless you know, unless we're seeing something, you know, unless you know they saw something that that uh, you know we don't know about, but you know, uh, it just seemed like. You know, this is the team that collects middle infielders, and uh, they got they added another guy to the collection, and it's impressive that you know he he has that you know it looks like he's a contact first guy. You know, he has some, you know, he, he can hit, and uh, they do need some like you said some emerging power. But geez, oh man, Joe, I think you know he's far he's he's a ways away, don't you think? Yeah, on the surface, it looks like he fits with what they're doing organizationally in terms of controls the strike zone, you know, uh, can can put the bat on the ball, that kind of stuff. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But uh, they have him on the forty man right now, which is kind of weird in, in that he's he's not played at Double uh, A yet, and usually they don't uh, they don't really reserve those those roster spots, those forty man spots for for guys in his position. I'm wondering if maybe he could be. Uh, a, a, a package piece uh, for another trade coming up, if that's a possibility, because uh, you know you're you're really just sort of hamstringing yourself again with uh, a young guy on your forty man who uh, he's he's taken a spot away from, you know maybe somebody who 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 you ha- you like within your organization, or if you're if you're looking to make a trade, uh, there's there's possibilities there as well. Uh, I, I don't know maybe how long he stays uh, with Cleveland if, if they turn around and flip him maybe to somebody else. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, uh, Antonetti said that, you know, if if you know, if they, they had not added him to the 40 man, you know, they they probably would have lost him in the rule five. Uh, so, uh, you know, this it's an interesting piece. It's an interesting thought that he could be added in, in a trade. It, it makes sense on a, on a lot of different levels for sure. Right. So that was uh, one trade. The other trade that they made, they sent Carlos Vargas, uh, hard throwing right handed reliever um, who who worked his way back from Tommy John surgery last year. Uh, He's on his way to uh, the Diamondbacks in return for Ross Carver, 
uh, a double A uh, right-handed starter uh, who had a, a pretty good season. Struggle once he he moved up to double A just a little bit, but uh, this is a guy who uh, has a, a pretty good secondary stuff, uh, breaking pitches that, that he gets a lot of swing and miss on. Uh, Vargas was a guy they they stuck with. He was a, a forty-man roster ad last year, and uh, you know he's he's now moving on. But uh, adding Carver gives them a little more flexibility because he's a guy who uh, doesn't have to be on the forty-man uh, at this time, and they can they can you know keep him down in the minors and, and free up a spot that way. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I didn't get to see Vargas. I thought, you know, he had a great arm and uh, he was up for a, what, a weekend, but never got into a ball game with Cleveland. Uh, I don't think he was ever even added, did he? I remember, yeah, I think he, was, he, he was active. They could have, they, they had him up and warming in one game. Right. Uh, but he didn't cut, he never made a, never made his debut. He was, he was very close to making his debut though. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like you said, hard thrower. But, you know, we, we've seen that bullpen come together, Joe, this past season with, uh, you know, Karen Check and, and Stefan and Henkes, you know, all those those three, you know, three hard throwers at the end to go along with Class A. And, uh, you know, maybe they just thought, you know, they needed the roster spot and, uh, you know, uh, Vargas was expendable in that in that, in that way. Well, and you also you want to have at least one uh, spot on your forty-man open if you decide to pick somebody up in that Rule Five draft. I mean, heck, like you said, Trevor Stephan. It worked out with with Stephan when they picked him up from the uh, the Yankees. But that you, you sort of got to play the long game again with that uh, if you're gonna you know try and see if you can uh, pull off another deal uh, in in that regard uh, for Rule Five draft again coming up uh, at the end of the winter meetings, uh, first week of December there. So. Uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, they did add three players. Uh, two of them, I guess, were, were sort of no-brainers in Angel Martinez and uh, Joey Cantillo. Uh, Cantillo had an outstanding season uh, at, um, you know, double-A. He moved up and uh, early on had uh, had a real, uh, you know, his he was pretty much dominant there at double-A uh, before suffering a shoulder injury and and having to shut down for the rest of the year. Uh, Martinez uh, went between uh, high A and double A and, you know, just kept hitting uh, no matter where he was. Uh, also just finished up playing in the Arizona Fall League. So uh, two guys who, you know, you sort of expected to be uh, additions to the 40-man roster. Uh, Tim Heron, uh, a guy that we heard uh, Tito talk about, uh, back in August, uh, we were in Kansas City, and just out of nowhere, he brought up Tim Heron's name uh, during a pregame meeting, and uh, it was it was interesting. He uh, he sort of equated Tim Heron to uh, you know the the potential of a of a young Andrew Miller, which uh, I thought was uh, kind of interesting. He, he told a story about uh, Brian Sweeney during a, a a spring training game called down from the bullpen and uh, and said, hey, wait till you get a load of this guy. Uh, and he, he, he said he looks like Miller. He throws hard, a uh, big, lanky left-hander, sort of like in the Sam Hentges mold. Uh, and, and his strikeout numbers were out of this world, uh, 69 innings. He had 100 and some strikeouts this year. Uh, so, so Tim Heron, sort of maybe an, an under-the-radar type guy uh, that they, they added, and, and he's going to be on the 40-man roster. Yeah, he's an exciting guy. I think what uh, over a hundred strikeouts and what sixty, seventy innings pitched. 
this past season. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch him see what see you know where he where he is exactly. Uh, he um, you know Antonetti said he dominated Double A ball and uh, you know pitched a little bit of Triple A. So you know we'll, we'll get to see him in spring training and and hopefully during the regular season. And uh, Cantillo had a shoulder injury, right, Joe? And uh, but it's said but. Uh, uh, Anthony said he's healthy now, and uh, so that that'll be good. That'll be great to uh, get to see him too in camp. Um, you know, w- one of the one of the truckload of players they received in the uh, the Mike Clevenger deal. Yeah, I think he's the last remaining player from the the Clevenger deal who hasn't made a a, a debut for the the club. Uh, you know, just to to see him uh, come up would be would be interesting as well. Uh, and and that that leaves. Uh, you know, a couple of guys that that we thought, you know, maybe uh, might get uh, protected, but uh, but aren't that are sort of exposed here. Ethan Hankins, obviously coming off a of surgery, maybe uh, maybe they thought that you know people would be a little apprehensive to to add him to the major to their major league roster in the Rule Five draft. Uh, so you know, there's there's other possibilities of of guys who uh, you know are are exposed on the roster, but you know might might be staying around. Yeah, there's always that possibility, and uh, you know, teams uh, like Cleveland with deep farm systems that you know pay a lot of attention to the farm system, you know, are usually kind of picked over in the Rule Five, and uh, they got a break last year, but uh, the Rule Five is back this year, and and it could, you know, it it usually does end up, uh, you know, you know, they usually do end up uh, losing a player or two that that they value. Yeah, I, I think uh, just at the 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 amount of depth that the Guardians have right now in their farm system, uh, it's pretty likely that they're at least going to lose a player or two in that uh, Rule Five draft. But uh, you're right; they got lucky last year because they avoided uh, the the Rule Five draft. If they had had it last year, they would have lost Oscar Gonzalez. And you know how different would the season have looked? Uh, especially towards the end there, if they didn't have Oscar Gonzalez uh, playing right field for him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I thought, uh, you know, uh, Antonetti gave us some updates on some injuries. Uh, Josh Naylor, what is out in spring training, you know, still not running full full goal, but it's given that right ankle time to, uh, you know, time to heal. And uh, Andres Jimenez is, you know, fully recovered from that uh, broken thumb. Yeah, interesting that uh, that Naylor sort of went and got double checked by the doctor who performed his surgery before the season, and he, he played the entire season. It, it sounds funny to to say he's not full go yeah. in terms of running on his ankle. So was he not full go during the season? Is that uh, it, maybe there's uh, you know more to be seen from from what he he could do? If that was only a percentage of Josh Naylor, uh, <laughs> then you know I hate to see what. Uh, what full go Josh Naylor is is like when he uh, when the when the switch gets flipped? Yeah, he's gonna he's he's gonna have to rock two babies, not just one, yeah. if he's at full go. Well, you know, uh, let's not remind us about uh, you know certain <laughs> gestures at, at this point. All right, Hoinsey, we're gonna wrap up for today. We'll be back again on Friday with another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.